Okay, everybody, welcome. Uh, this is the uh, second official installment of Wet Hot American Podcast. My name is Justin Brunch. And I'm Shane Reeves. And today we're going to be talking about Watchmen, the film, the graphic novel, uh, superhero films in general. Uh, the graphic novel and adaptation. Adaptations. Um, and, uh, and sort of the place that, the, um, that those uh, comic book graphic novel films sort of have in in society and culture now as they sort of gain momentum um, and gain artistic credibility and uh, and just in general sort of sort of where they are in the uh, in the in the realm of cinema so um, we'll kick off the conversation though uh, about Watchmen which came out last Friday uh, and um, I, I know that you Zane enjoyed it I, I did as well um, but hopefully we'll be able to sort of uh, discuss our, our enjoyment of the film in, in a more critical uh, lens, uh, so uh, yeah. Hopefully, in a way that won't piss off Pat and Oswald <laughs> too badly. Although, either. although if he blogged about me, by by golly, I would take that as a compliment. Yeah, no, I, I think again, I, I actually I have not read his uh, blog, but I am going to assume it was mostly aimed at the kind of knee jerk carping and whining uh, among people yeah. that kind of in the same realm of. Such and such adaptation raped my childhood. The uh, kind of thing that he really <laughs> dislikes. Yeah, well, I I, th- I think the the uh, the the operative quote from his from his blog post was uh, STFU, which I, I think that you can derive what that acronym stands for. Um, and uh, to a certain extent, I have to agree because I do think that um, that uh, Zack Snyder uh, showed ambition. He surprised and, a lot of and, people, I think. Yeah, I. I I have to say that as a as a fan of the graphic novel and as as a fan of superhero films in general, I, I feel like he did us uh, he did us well. He did us a solid um, by um, by attempting to do his best. Uh, and I think you know uh, past the uh, the source material, I, I think this movie sort of proved he, he is and can be visionary. Um, no, the the, the, the film um, I was. Uh, I don't know. Pleasantly surprised, really covers it. But uh, I, I, I was uh, very pleased with the level of ambition of the film was in proportion to the level of ambition that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons had Certainly. with uh, yeah. the novel. Mm-hmm. And I thought because uh, I think a lot of I was one of the ones that like I don't know if I trust this person with this film after. 300, and also uh, I liked his remake of Dawn of the Dead, but mm-hmm. I thought it uh, bleached out any of the uh, the commentary that Romero had about yeah, society. Right, right. Well, well yeah, and, uh, but I think this may, that maybe, um, I think speaks to his intelligence as a, as a, as not just a, a filmmaker, but as a, uh, a, a, a filmmaker who does remakes, reimaginings, reenvisionings um, of knowing what the original did, what the original provided, I suppose, and, and maybe what his place is as a as one making a, a remake. Um, because you know that I think Dawn of the Dead Romero's the, covers so well and so sort of scathingly consumer culture and um, and and. Uh, our place as zombies in American society that um, I think Snyder sort of delighted in not needing to cover that base. Right. That I, uh, yeah, I know. I, I do. I think that also um, 
I, and again, like I, I, I say this as someone who paid money to see that film and mm-hmm. who enjoyed it. Uh, I, I was just, why did you? Yeah. Then on that, because again, it was it was a piece of pop entertainment. I right, thought right. it had uh, was anchored by some very good performances by Sarah Polly and, and a Bing sure. Rames, but uh, yeah, it it it, uh, it just you know I I didn't know understand what the spine of the film was then uh-huh. if it wasn't that, and I can understand not wanting right. to repeat the other person, right. but. Um, but again, engaged by it, less so with 300, which uh, without getting into the politics of that, which could easily derail a conversation <laughs> being talking about that. But yeah. um, I uh, I was just not receptive to a film that one made war look like a really cool video game. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to say that it's not like a humorless scold. Uh, and two uh, – I just, again, as cool as it looked, I thought it committed some of the worst defenses of CGI-heavy films, <laughs> like just the lack of proportion, the lack of really an understanding of motion yeah. and uh, an impact in that. It, it None of it really connected for me at all, kind of looked pretty, but... It didn't come off the screen for it. Yeah, that was the that was I think the main criticism of Three Hundred when it came out was that um, uh, visually stunning and almost revolutionarily so. Uh, but um, to what to what end? And and that's the question that we've had to deal with with uh, with uh, special effects. Uh, I think since the advent of the computers, now that we can do anything, what do we want to do? Yeah, exactly. And I can. Get, I'll, Steering it away, I'll get it right back to Watchmen. I think yeah. for that, one of the best suggestions I've heard was CGI is wonderful, but the filmmakers that use CGI really need to be brought up with how to use real effects and, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, camera tricks and whatnot yeah. before graduating so that they can understand how to uh, utilize it and not mm-hmm. use it as a crutch to mm-hmm. understand how to actually make a special effect. Uh, work better. So what? So what about? So what about Watchmen in this? In this sort of uh, this vein? Well, um, I, uh, you know, I I was I was I was uh, I think the main thing with it, like Doctor Manhattan and then the sequences on Mars, like his uh-huh. Fortress of Solitude thing. I thought that uh, as a filmmaker, uh, Zack Snyder had made some real leaps from stuff huh. that left me cold with Three Hundred to. Yeah. Things that seemed very convincing, and like there, there was a, a sense of scope there that I thought was missing mm-hmm. in Three Hundred, and I thought it, uh, it got um, most of it right. And again, like, that was my thing about the film itself. It there was so much there that it had to, to address, yeah. and um, it got a lot right with that film, and a lot more than. Uh, most pr- people probably could. Most other filmmakers could have gotten well, that's, with that. That's been the problem of uh, this film and, and sort of pre-production limbo for for almost two decades. Do you think that hurt it, decades. too, in the sense of, like, we're not really uh, surprised by tortured superheroes or costumed Avengers anymore? If anything, well, gotta, we, that's what we expect. Yeah. We're now Superman of the heart cell because you... So square. Ernest. Uh, I, yeah, I, I have to say that sort of the direction that the comic book film has taken the past couple of years probably um, probably put the money in the bank for this film to be made um, because there is an appeal for very uh, – for the, for the 
for the fallible, violent anti-hero, for the, um, you know, yeah, yeah, we're not, uh, the triumphant score and, um, and flying through the clouds with the birds, uh, not, does not really appeal to people anymore, and I think they require an edge, and, and Watchmen has always had that edge, um, that's maybe why it wasn't so marketable, um, even five years ago, but now I, I, I think, I, I think now was the time to make it, if there ever was a time, besides maybe, uh, when the when the when the comic book came out right. too, because the extent that it had to acknowledge itself as a period piece too, was um, was an interesting I think an and interesting it, obstacle. But I, I thought it was I was really glad that it, it stuck to the guns of the, the book yeah. there. It didn't. I mean, there were, there were some very nice contemporary touches there where you have the the socialism thing mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, but. Uh, yeah, that it stayed in the '80s, and Nixon was on his fifth term, right? And yeah, and it it it, um, it kept that. It didn't update uh-huh. it to uh, 2007. Yeah, or they could have figured out some sort of uh, you know ridiculous and uh, unfounded update. Uh, it's just like you know going to see going to see Shakespeare productions, and they've they've given it some sort of wacky time period. And right, yeah, uh, it, it it said in like 1930s. Uh, you know, Europe or something, right. and Alicia Silverstone is uh, <laughs> dancing with Kenneth Branagh or something like that. Yeah, well, but, but uh, not to liken uh, Watchmen to, to, you know, uh, Hamlet or Henry V. Uh, but, um, well, there's still this, I think you know, some of this, the, the scope of everything they had to touch certainly. on that is, I think, comparable in a way that hopefully won't make any uh, anyone in the Strode department angry <laughs> for blood. Right. To say that. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I think the the ambition was evident. I was I was also interested in uh, the uh, you know talking about how closely it stuck to the book. I guess um, uh, f- plot wise, for me, wasn't as interesting as 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 um, sort of uh, technique wise. Uh, I I think Zack Snyder uh, attempted to speak the language of comics. With the uh, with the movie, without of course um, uh, putting anything in panels or or right. you know, uh, it, 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 well, he, I, I don't think they're going to get to do that again for quite some time after Ang Lee's The Hulk. I right. think that was something that uh, well, became off limits. <laughs> good, good try. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, I don't. Did you know? I mean, did you notice that it seemed like the film was really striving to to uh, to mimic the the tempo it, of of the. Well, I think yeah, the I think there's so many. Uh, I don't think it's stretching to say iconic. Just sh- you know, the, the, the panels in the comic book were so beautifully done, and so many of them are just kind of part of you know the lore now. Yeah, With right. it's like you've got the comedian being thrown through the window. Like, there's a very specific look to that uh-huh. where the little smiley face pen is right. and everything. And, like, it replicates that very well. But why I, I was amazed with how it managed to be... Uh, there was uh, such a strong fidelity to uh, the source material there. And uh, clearly everyone on both sides of the camera wanted to get it. Uh-huh. Right, but it was also its own film. It did make uh, independent choices. I didn't always agree with all of them. I don't know how much of that is informed by the fact that I've read the read the book mm-hmm. before. I, I saw the and had a had been a fan for a number of years. Yeah. Of, uh, but uh, you know, and and that was a tricky position too. As someone who uh, 
is a big fan of uh, Watchmen, the graphic novel, and of Alan Moore's work in general, uh, is going to see an adaptation of his work and trying to suss out what's okay to be finicky or persnickety about, uh. because here is someone who's made a brilliant career out of reappropriate, excuse me, reappropriating other people's intellectual property. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then if I'm getting, you know, uh, cranky about liberties taken yeah. with, you know, obviously, like, this is Captain America, this is Batman, this is the spirit, uh-huh. um, you know, and, you know, he's playing with those characters and Watchmen, and then you have someone else interpreting his interpretation. Uh-huh. It, it starts to feel like, I, I, I should ease up a little bit. So I tried to restrict yeah. myself to what I thought really did um, an interpretation that I thought lessened the impact of the story mm-hmm. itself. Certain things like we'll talk about with Rorschach or with certain line changes mm-hmm. that were made. I thought we talked about this uh, where, uh, you know, the uh, Rorschach's origin is made to give him a little more uh, passion and a little uh-huh. more ident- identifiable as a human being instead of kind of taking away the methodical aspect of him, the cap where he takes the yeah. cigarette and puts the guy's eye out, it turns and he, he attacks him, chooses mm-hmm. ear off. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there was definitely, I, I think, a move to make him not quite seem so... This is probably the wrong term, but but godless. Uh, there there seemed to be a little bit Which more. Which runs through the film too. Yeah, and and the comic book. I mean, there's always that idea that you know, you, you know, there's he's someone who lives by a set of codes, um, and 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 rules and morals, uh, even though they might not agree with you. But he he seemed to be in the in in this film, Rorschach's character seemed to be accessing a sort of more general morality. Uh, of questioning what's right and wrong, whereas in the comic book, uh, you know, he seems to be living by his own set of rules, which you come to understand, um, and it's something that he doesn't really question about himself. Um, and yeah, and so that was a little different. I'm, but I think that uh, even even with those sort of changes, and maybe it was done just to. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to see Jackie Earl Haley sort of act, and they let him do that. I think the the role was well written and 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 suited him to a, to a T. Right. In terms of dream casting, you would be hard pressed to come up with someone who is more ideal for that mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in all aspects. I know. I know. When it was in, uh, you know, other. Um, there were there were other possibilities uh, for the future of a Watchmen movie. I think uh, Edward Norton. Yeah, Edward ben, Norton. Ben I know there was even that. Uh, mock-up of a Watchmen poster there mm-hmm. where it's like Michael Douglas was Night Owl. I think Ed <laughs> Harris was Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and Ed Norton was um, Ed Norton. Edward Norton was uh, Rorschach. And uh, I would say they made the better call, though, because yeah. I, I, I think he, uh, he's a little uneven when it comes to genre mm-hmm. stuff. Where yeah, either he gets into it or it doesn't work for him and mm-hmm. he's trying to, you know, it makes it, there's a uh, anecdote about Dustin Hoffman on Sphere and I'll try to get through this quickly, but <laughs> where like the, on the commentary track, he's on there with Sam Jackson and um, you see a very brief scene where uh, Dustin Hoffman like walks through, you know, the doors that open or something and <laughs> Sam Jackson, oh, I remember this. It was like some big 50 page manifesto you wrote about why the guy walks through the door <laughs> I think Edward Norton is that same kind of just overkill sometimes. Uh-huh. That could have 
really changed the makeup of the film. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that Haley kind of uh, approached it from a very sort of um, really animalistic sort of sense. He really seemed to attack it, and it wasn't cerebral, um, which was which was a pleasure. And I hope that uh, I, I've heard a couple of my friends have commented that they got tired of his uh, his Batman voice. And it was that like was that just an unfortunate timing thing? Because that like, that was true to the character though. Yeah, was the thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe in, in in the comic he was it was more of a monotone, but something like that would not translate well to film, especially yeah. if you've already got Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. Well, I can I can see the uh, I can see the uh, speech bubbles. So clearly in my mind from the Watchmen book, and I guess I always imagined it having some sort of, uh, you know, really sandpapered and uh, yeah. and on the brink sort of sort of feeling. I I have no qualms about about the portrayal. Um, but uh, did you? What, so what were your qualms then? What well, were my qualms? All right, I actually I did write some things down here. I'll try not to take up too much time while I look through them, but. Um, yeah, I think uh, again with with Rorschach, there was the thing where uh, he uh, changing his character a bit there that I thought, uh, you know, it was I thought part of the film it did this very well in places and in other places uh, not as well, where it was appealing to both a general audience that might not be familiar with it and with hardcore fans mm-hmm. who know it backwards, and that's going to Almost, it's unavoidable that there will be this weird tension then. Like, how do you appease yeah. all of this? Cause we were talking about this where you were saying that, you know, it's not like when you're reading the comic and you just have one person looking at this. You've got an entire audience yeah. you have to touch. Yeah. But uh, a few, yeah, just some of the more relatively subtle line changes that I thought altered the meaning of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They uh, were Rorschach in the prison break sequence. Yeah. And uh, the, the line... Uh, your uh, was it your fingers? My perspective is changed to your fingers. My pleasure, uh, and I think that really changes his yeah, character yeah. and uh, the the emotional beat of that scene. Uh, <laughs> and then also again changing uh, where he sets the the child murderer on fire yeah. to a more of a, almost a crime of passion. Uh-huh. Those were things with him. Um, I thought that uh, Night Owl. Well, again, I, I was. Really wasn't sure about Patrick Wilson at first with that because I was like he's too good looking. Uh-huh. But then he, I mean, he's a really good actor. Then with Angels in America or Lost Children, or yeah, Little, Children Little Children, excuse me, or even like kind of an uneven film, but a uh, uh, Hard Candy. Uh-huh. But uh, he, uh, I know he's very convincing in it. Uh, I, I, but I did notice they changed. Uh, uh, his uh, the issues with his impotence kind of subtly, but it did uh, really alter the kinkiness of it where yeah. he's unable to perform. And then later, uh, and we're just assuming everyone's already seen it or knows about it, so spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> and uh, where, you know, when they, when he, when they do have uh, the really, like, intense love scene on that uh, airboat, uh <laughs> You know, there's a line in the, the the book about like, well, did the the costumes help? And yes, uh, and that was completely taken out of it, right. and it kind of normalizes like like his issue there. Yeah, uh, I I, th- I think the I think the 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 uh, storyline of the romance between um, between Night Owl and Silk Spectre uh, too uh, was uh, made a little bit more conventional. I I, I think, um, and that was one area where I thought 
that that's part of the interesting thing of these people being soup costume heroes right. um, is is seeing how the costume does uh, affect their um, just the, their their perception of themselves. And um, there, I think there were there there were pieces in it. Uh, you know, maybe it was just. It was uh, – the movie didn't mind making it a little bit more subtle um, and could afford to. I, I think it still rang clear for me, but there were times when I thought maybe it, it could have it been maybe a more overt right. uh, or, or had more pleasure in, 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 in saying those things, you know, need the costume. Right. I know, yeah, well, I uh, – for, yeah, for me, I guess I thought, like, well, you know, since I read the book, I could fill in that part of it. But uh, if I hadn't seen it, like what I just thought then, like – one was it kind of just this incidental thing, or right. um, was it? But yeah, I, I think that late leaving that out did change. Like it took it washed scrubbed some of the kinkiness out of uh-huh. Night Owl a bit there. Yeah. And uh, let's see, here. yeah, uh, was what else did I want to? Uh, oh, the the, the uh, calling themselves the Watchmen too. Like you know, the Watchmen. We're the Watchmen. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess maybe. A necessary thing in a they way. They had something to put in the trailer, right? They had something to put well, in the, the Watchmen. Yeah, that was one. Of, oh, that's unfortunate. They had to do that. Yeah. And then uh, also, uh, uh, again, being blissfully uh, uh, callous about uh, spoilers here, but uh, the reveal about the comedian being uh, Silk Spectre to Laurie's mom, or dad, excuse me. Yeah. Um, was tipped really early during that sequence where Manhattan is showing her like how to see time the way uh-huh. he sees it, uh-huh. and I thought that's that's unfortunate that they did that. And then they still like that that whole triangle there with the uh, Sally and Laurie and uh, the comedian. Uh-huh. That was such an emotional crux of the whole uh, the book. And then they kind of touch on it, but then they have so many other things to do yeah. that you you lose it for forty minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back, and it's already like I thought that flashback thing in the beginning really did kind of overplay, as did the, all of the posters of Sally Jupiter up at uh, right, the comedians. Right, right, right. Uh, so yeah, I think that was robbed of some some of its emotional resonance. Well, yeah, it did have to make some some um, tough calls about how to streamline, uh, and and that was one. What what with the book that has so many storylines that seem just sort of like. Uh, uh, you know, uh, integral to the, the the development of the thing as a whole. Um, yeah, I, I, again, thinking about Patton Oswalt, you sort of have to let him off the hook a little bit. Uh, I, I think I think Patton said something like, it's, "It was never going to be the HBO miniseries that right. you all the, wanted the, the, to be." The, because the, the one that Terry Gilliam might have done. Uh-huh. Gilliam, Aronofsky, and Paul Greengrass, I think, were the three that came the closest. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know, I, I know that. But still, that was one where I guess it's the same as if, you know, you're going to leave out someone's favorite thing. And maybe that one touched me a mm-hmm. bit to the bone. And I also, you know, I I, I appreciate Patton's thing there. And, again, I, I, I generally agree with him. Like, I, there was the line about the, uh, like, if uh, something like, you know, altering this is raping your childhood, then maybe you need to have your childhood raped or something. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to say rape as many times as yeah, I can. Yeah. No, uh, but at the same time, like, it's, uh, you know, the, the the reason that we're, this film has the kind of attention placed on it that it does and the expectations is because there are 
a number of people who were that passionate mm-hmm. about it. So, well, you know, but have you seen that? Uh, I believe it's David Hayter, the screenwriter, right? Um, has sort of put out a call to to Watchmen fans everywhere to to go see the movie again this weekend mm-hmm. um, uh, to sort of uh, send a message to the studios that this sort of thing can be viable. And uh, well, yeah, I, I think. It, Again, again, the studios are very. I, I don't think that you know they they managed to give it to um, some very talented people who, I, again, for all the carping that I might do here, got so much of it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a tendency anytime they do anything remotely adventurous, if it doesn't pay off in ridiculous dividends for them, yeah. it kills off anything remotely interesting for adult moviegoers for two years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the Grindhouse underperformed. Now right. I can't have both of them on the same DVD with the trailers uh, right. mixed in. Uh, you know, Sin City doesn't quite do what it's supposed to do, So, which I have mixed feelings about that film. But uh-huh. then it scuttles all kinds of projects yeah. there because I think part of it is it's, it's attempting to do things that maybe they don't understand. And when it doesn't, succeed well, on the level of wild hogs, right. then well, it validates their close mind. Well, these projects, too, look, are, are just uh, – resemble just enough possible blockbuster, um, you know, because they're, they're based on comic books or they have action or this, they'll appeal to 13-year-old boys. Um, and and so I think that, that allows them to sort of buy into it. But then, yeah, if it doesn't become the sort of marketable thing that they they hope it's going to be, um, then a fifty-five million dollar weekend becomes a becomes a bust. Which and, that that's a real problematic thing. If fifty-five million dollars and a uh, on a weekend for opening weekend for an R-rated mm-hmm. film with no stars and is based on a cult. Not a graphic novel. Yeah, that is a disappointment to you. That what, what do you want? Because mm-hmm. um, there was never going to be like, and there shouldn't be like, you know, Rorschach on a Burger King cup. That that <laughs> uh, I don't want to live in a world where that goes on. Yeah, uh, yeah. but maybe I do, but not for a, while, a long time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I. Uh, and, 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 oh, I wanted to read this to you because I thought this. Oh, I get a, oh, you brought on some material. I did. Uh, I have a friend who uh, writes a, a blog called Forward to Yesterday, and he was blogging about uh, Watchmen. It was more about some of the the more tone deaf criticism. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to read this. Get your reaction to okay. it. Um, this is from Anthony Lane at the New Yorker. Okay. And it's. Watchmen, like V for Vendetta, harbors ambitions of political satire, and to be fair, it should meet the needs of any leering 19-year-old who believes that America is ruled by the military-industrial complex and whose deepest fear, deeper even than that of meeting a woman who requests intelligent conversation, is that the Warren Commission may have been right all along. (laughs) Uh, I... Uh, the floor is yours, Mr. Runge. Uh, well, well, well. <laughs> um, I'm glad they upped the age to 19 for the uh, for the requisite geekazoid. Um, I, I, I think well, V for Vendetta. I think welcoming it into the conversation is um, makes sense, but not really um, because that is a it's a flagrant piece of of political commentary. Right. Um, whereas that's this, done deliberately. 
uh, in a way, it, it makes no effort to provide balance. It really is Alan Moore's point of view. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And of course, the the film represents that as a you know. A, a, a perpetually rainy London where the only splash of color is red. And that's exactly what, you know, I think the audience were looking for with that film and, and with that graphic novel too. But the Watchmen has such, uh, I think, bigger ambitions that to sort of pigeonhole it into, uh, you know, a, a, a Republican mockery or uh, definitely misses the point. Yeah. Yeah, like Harry and the Henderson, it has layers. My Thirty Rock <laughs> reference for the podcast. Okay. So I, I, I guess I. But the thing is, I, I mean, I don't know. I I appreciated V for Vendetta, though. I don't think I was as gaga as as other. No, no, were. I I I liked it. I thought it was uh, solid. But again, it was one. Of, I, I think there was. I, I think League of Extraordinary Gentlemen became the thing where it's like everything now that well. It, there's this generosity of like, well, thank God it wasn't that. Um, which again, was discovered that, that that might be the worst film ever ever made for, for me. Yeah, uh, but it's certainly again an example of how not to adapt something or yes. Uh, but and and that you had enough people there that could like who was thinking that like we should do this and, this was, and the fact that it was it's essentially Sean Connery's last film. That's a very sad. Uh, oh come! I, on. Yeah, it's like, uh, but uh, and I, I did want to again. I, I, I'm uh, cribbing again, but uh, there was a response to that uh, that I thought was very nice from uh, Adam uh, Serwer. I hope I'm saying that right at the American Prospect, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to not to question what is I am certain the vibrant and thrilling sex lives of film critics. But I'm not so sure that film critic is much higher than comic book geek on the social spectrum. Comic book nerds can count Barack Obama, Rachel Maddow, and Patrick Leahy among us. Whatever uh, Lane's opinions of Watchmen source material, comic books are the closest things Americans have to folk tales. Mm-hmm. And I'll stop there and not not to completely just recite everything. But I thought that was uh, a really good uh, uh I, I, I thought it uh, put to bed this notion that uh, people who like comic books are again maladjusted teenagers yeah. who don't know how to talk to whether it's the opposite sex or the same sex or uh-huh. whoever it is that's floating their boat. It's just I mean it's just so tired and and we can assume that the success of these movies does not completely hinge on what is this one specific and stereotypical uh, demographic because it doesn't. Um, and uh, I think they've become to our generation what, say, gangster films and musicals, sci-fi and horror became to the first generation of film geeks in oh, the 60s. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we all uh, – yeah, I think every generation has enjoyed its quote-unquote disposable um, uh, d- entertainment. But that entertainment often also had an edge, a political edge, you know, and, and, and thinking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers too, the film, the, the film yeah, geeks the, the, of, yeah. the, of the 60s, that movie has has content, has layers, has meaning. And, um, and to dismiss those who enjoyed it as, um, you know, uh, people shoving up their, their – uh, their glasses with the tape on the rim and uh, and uh, you know wearing uh, stain, stained uh, you know Simpsons T-shirts. It's, yeah, uh, looking looking like Eddie Deason or yeah, yeah, yeah or, or yeah. Yeah, comic book guy. It's so. just it, it's not a it's not a truth. Um, 
I, maybe it's just because um, because those who do enjoy comic books don't mind sort of occasionally reveling in the stereotype. It's sometimes fun to sort of put on. Um, you could stereotype any lover of any genre in, in very unflattering terms. But I th- yeah, any time you're dealing with passionate people, I think there is – there's an there's an aspect of it that, if turned the right way, can come across as unpleasant, and mm-hmm. grating, or a bit fanatic. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know that uh, I, I I don't know that jazz music buffs are any you know uh, in, 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 any more socially adept than uh, comic. I'm not I'm not trying to get into a war of like different people who like different things. But I, <laughs> yeah, it's just this idea that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think we need to get past. Yeah, well, yeah. film critics definitely do because it's a, it's an easy out and it absolutely says nothing to the worth of the movie. It's a it's a character attack on those who might uh, find it to be incredibly important to their lives. Um, and and all films connect to people in some way like that. And uh, and I think it's lazy uh, criticism to um, to just sort of uh, saddle the. Uh, the uh, the pimply of the earth with uh, with the success or failure of a film it's, it's yes. goofy. We are all Spartacus, I think now. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and I th- I wanted to get back the uh, one of the problems I had well not problems is maybe overstating it now because I, I like you I can't really get the film out of my head mm-hmm. which speaks volumes for it as uh, you say like something that is certainly not disposable pop trash yeah. uh, but. Uh, one of the issues, and I was talking about this earlier with you, uh, is I think, and, and it became more problematic, and we, we still haven't gotten to the, uh, the, the, the changes I actually thought that were made for the better about mm-hmm. the ending, uh, which we'll discuss in a moment, hopefully. But, uh, like, did you think that, again, when, with the, uh, the opening scene being uh, the comedian's death, and then you had this really uh, astonishing uh, opening credit sequence mm-hmm. that I don't know that I'll be able to listen to the times they are at change in the same way again. And I've so lived with that song for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and then for the, I remember and for about 20 minutes after that, I, I turned to, over to a friend of mine that I was watching it with. So all oh, they're really getting this, this right. Mm-hmm. And then there was this gradual deflation of that a bit. Yeah. I think some of that, like, I, I think maybe there was, like the the the, the visual lang- uh, the uh, uh, the uh, say, yeah the, uh, the the language of the film or its uh, vocabulary rather mm-hmm. becomes kind of like after about the forty five minute mark you've seen all of the tricks he has there was even a very funny mock up of the trailer where you have people talking over it being kind of smart ass is going right. it's a Zack Snyder slow film slow sure. yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah it is kind of, and there was also like a, and, and as wonderful as that choice was with time Sarah changing I remember thinking like it was a really weird call to use a sound of silence for the comedian because uh, what was that I mean did, uh, I don't know what that was was it didn't feel like yeah. it was ironically commenting on anything because it's like the, uh, Edward Blake was not someone who would have cared much. He probably would have been happy <laughs> to have like thrown them in his like list of assassinations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's its relationship to music, uh, to the cho- it was very um, it was uh, it was incredibly sort of ballsy, but um, uh, occasionally and also to take a, a song too. that's already embedded in our uh, consciousness is like oh, this is when. Uh, 
Dustin Hoffman is jumping out of the pool mm-hmm. and the grand. Oh right, yeah. right. I mean that 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 song has its own film already. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and the and the Leonard Cohen uh, song over the sex scene it was Which just uh, was cheeky and it worked too. Yeah, um, I, I think it worked. And it was nice that it was that, not the John Cale version or something right, that right. we've already heard. Right. Um, yeah, and it was. Uh, yeah, you could you could sense a sort of uh, a sort of smirk while it was happening, but it was it was a. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I, I think it just kind of goes back to what, what you can do with a graphic novel and what you can do with a film. Um, and, you know, you're talking sort of about the, the, uh, Snyder's vocabulary. And, uh, and I do think he was really trying to let it be informed by the, the sort of the rhythms and the techniques of, of graphic novels and specifically Watchmen. Um, but, you know, when that means taking 20 minutes out of the film to cover a backstory right. or uh, – or you know what the the ending ended up being, which uh, initially I felt was uh, was sort of becoming more sloppily edited, um, and and not quite as attuned to, um, to things, just things like continuity. I realized was it the attempt to sort of mimic the motions of the of the comic right. book, and um, and that's part of the reason why I might want to revisit it. But uh, I, I mean, I. I that's a two hundred dollar ex- or a two hundred million dollar experiment, right? Um, and if we can if we can directly convert graphic novel to movie, um, I don't know. I think some of those moments. That's not where I was as a film goer at that moment watching that film. I I, I wasn't keeping ten percent of myself outside of it. I sort of committed myself fully to the film, and I think as a result, sometimes was a little befuddled by the film uh, the filmmakers' choices. Um, the ending too, I think, exhibited that. Well, the ending. I, 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 when I first read the the novel, I was so uh, under the spell of its of the genius uh-huh. of the work that uh, I loved the ending, hook, line, and sinker, along with everything else. Then revisiting it, it's probably the, if not probably the weak spot of it in the yeah. sense of cause, like you start to reread that again about the rationale for the giant squid creature and yes. I'm imagining Alan Moore wearing like a legalized it shirt explaining <laughs> the the illustrations there because it, it really like I, I, I don't know that uh, having it be bombs instead uh-huh. I thought that didn't alter or lessen no uh, I actually my under- and also it also it's like, yeah this would be seems like it's more in keeping with what this character who has this really troubling utopian sense of uh-huh. what he can turn the world into yeah. what he would be more likely to use I thought it I yeah I thought it made it more taught actually um and uh and really on, appreciated on screen it. that might have been deadly to have that 15 minute monologue yeah, yeah absolutely and it's and it could have been jarring for for people to have to go that far yeah. out they're already kind of accepting a lot but still in the realm of 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 maintaining a sort of realism, established realism, and then to have yeah, radioactive squid yeah. Um, pop up in Manhattan, not quite as yeah, they've been uh, filled with all of the bad with. juju of uh, <laughs> you know uh, comic book writers and yeah. really avant garde uh, artists. Yeah, and, and I I think I'm glad that they they let it just stay on the pages yeah. of the he book. He likes he likes using that too in, in, in the Swamp Thing books. He brings that mm-hmm. back where you unleash this like void in hell that's going to come and destroy the universe uh-huh. by dropping a pearl that has all of the bad dreams and nightmares. Right. Of the, you know, it's just, 
I, he, he likes to do that. I, yeah, I, and, and, and that wasn't the place, uh, the yeah. film wasn't the place for that to happen. And, and I actually f- found that I was really sort of pleasantly astonished at the um, – how well the change worked I, I thought it was i thought it was great and made sense i, I think it upped the risk for everybody uh, at the end of the movie um so and, I, I appreciate it yeah so i think i'm gonna continue uh you know thinking about watchmen rolling it over in my mind i'm not i know i asked you when you were going to see it again and uh, i i was <laughs> I, I kind of dismissive like well i liked it fine but i don't know if i'm gonna uh Give it another eight dollars till a used DVD comes along. Yeah. But I, I, I revisited that partly because I just can't get the movie out of my head. Yeah. I might be part of that army that goes and sees it again now because I don't want them to write off, you know, doing ambitious, mm-hmm. uh, like really adventurous and, and kind of wild and weird mm-hmm. mainstream films like this because it'd be a shame if. They took this off and gave us, um, I, I don't know, like their idea of a comic book film, which I think they're really more comfortable with Spider-Man three. Right, right. Well, I, I, uh, I don't know. Well, what would you, uh, what would you like to see done? Well, I mean, what kind of momentum would you well, like to see? Uh, let's see. Well, I, uh, for one thing, I would love to see them actually try again with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. and, and get that right this time. Uh, no, I think. Um, you know there there are a number like, there are a number of really good uh, there's not a lot of really good source material out there that mm-hmm. I not realized yet there was a very good piece over at the AV Club yeah. about um, graphic novels that uh, should maybe see the light of day in terms mm-hmm. of a film adaptation things like uh, Runaways which is the idea like you know teenage runaway superheroes yeah um, or things like Black Hole or uh, right. Uh, let's see here. I, I don't. I uh, think things like that. Some more. Uh, I would. You know what? I would love to see an mouse. I think was one that people would really like. To mouse. See. There are there are some property. You know, you could say, well, I wish uh, they they could attempt maybe a Jimmy Corrigan uh, right. movie. Although that that it's it's so reliant on what it can do with the graphic novel that that. Would but then again, so is Watchmen. And that, that's, well, yeah. that's true. Uh, but. Uh, I think the watch yeah, still has a design aspect. Yeah, that. maybe, but yeah, um, I would personally. I think I would love to see an animated bone. Bone is, I know, one that's on the, the wish list yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and then also, yeah, there's uh, getting away from uh, you know some of the best uh, graphic novel uh, to film adaptations have been stuff that had nothing to do with. Uh, superheroes mm-hmm. or, or, or masked adventurers. There was uh, a history of violence and yeah. Persepolis and uh, Ghost World yeah. being three uh, brilliant standalone films uh, that uh-huh. came from uh, source material of graphic um, novels. Um, American Splendor. American Splendor, yeah. That's a, what I, I would, um, yeah, and then, then, then the, you know, give from Picard to, to Crumb. Uh, Someone that I I really would, um, you know, I, I think I, I really enjoyed that Watchmen was unabashedly an R-rated film. I yeah. would like to see them be a little braver about doing, you know, like R-rated comic book films mm-hmm. or, or graphic. Like there there would be one. It's kind of trashy. It's certainly no Watchmen, but it would be a lot of fun to see on the big screen. Something like Lobo. 
Oh, sure, sure. Well, you know, they, uh, I, I often forget about Judge Dredd. Um, uh, well, you should. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know if that, uh, that ship has sailed for this sort of like uh, – Well, if, 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 they could, if they could restart alien. the Batman thing after Batman and That's Robin. That's true. That's true. Uh, and um, then something else we – like I want to make sure that this got uh, its big ups during our, our podcast. But we were talking about uh, favorite um, – comic book uh, adaptation into films. Uh, you had one that I wanted to, to to make sure it got mentioned during the podcast. What was that? The Rocketeer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was I was just trying to think of maybe uh, superhero films that uh, that had an influence uh, on me as a, as a kid, and I remember just The Rocketeer was... Um, uh, there were just so many things to sort of love about it. I, I couldn't fault it. And, I, and, and it's a movie that I've revisited... Now in my adulthood, that has uh, has even the special effects. I can sort of uh, well, holds up very well because it doesn't try to do anything like that. It couldn't no, show it, on camera. Certainly, I mean, it, it, I think its it, its ambition was sort of pitch perfect. Um, and, and I've revisited some other movies from that time, kind of attempting to do the same thing, like uh, The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, which I remember just being crazy for as a kid, and I've. It does not really hold up. well. Does not hold up well. That's more. I. I uh, that that's uh, that's how we got Alec on television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or perhaps the uh, uh, was he in the Edge? Was that him? Yeah, that, that was the Edge, which I think we saw a, a variation of that with the what just happened movie with De Niro, which right, is based right, on like right. one of the producers, like have like a, a, a bearded, overweight, angry Alec Baldwin show up on the set of your movie and. <laughs> <laughs> like changes everything rather dramatically yeah, about the character yeah. and the tone, and and I think a, well, a movie I, I I think I've heard they are attempting to reboot, but um, did you possibly see the Phantom with Billy Zane back in that? Uh, that was one I no no I I had no uh, connection to that no. piece at all. I was uh, just, they, uh, they are trying to redo that. I, like I think so. It's, it sounded like some foreign production company was and, – and there was a, quite a, a sizable budget behind it too, which I have no idea how they procured. But um, but I, I guess I'd love to see them give it another shot. I'm, I'm you know, uh, ever since uh, uh, I think uh, Indiana Jones did it, I've just been interested in seeing I, – I, that, that, that serial mentality and this sort of the spirit well, of the serial taking – yeah, and then just think that, that Indiana Jones was the last thing to really have that. Like, what would I guess uh, doesn't exist anymore? The high adventure, uh-huh. you know, kind of thing. Where yeah. it's just they, like, they, yeah, like this update of like something like again the serials, or even go back to like the Man Who Would Be King, or mm-hmm. something these like rugged, two fisted adventure tales. Yeah, certainly. But and and I think they've Hollywood's attempted to to keep that um happening with uh everything from this horrible national uh yeah national, uh, national treasure, treasure series, series which... to um that uh, movie with uh with uh, uh Matthew McConaughey was it Sahara Oh yeah yeah with it yeah there was actually a was the, the, the lawsuit over that of the producers being uh saying they were duped into thinking they'd Purchased a more bankable property. There's still, there's still. Uh, I, I guess Clive Custler has lost you know, twenty five million dollars with that lawsuit over over production rights. That uh, <laughs> for a, for a Sahara, uh, I would I would say let's just put it to rest. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, that that sort of thing. Uh, I think that they're uh, they're uh, also rebooting the Shadow, and I know that um, 
I know that Sam Raimi, I think, is, uh, he did Darkman because yes. he couldn't get the rights to do The Shadow. Um, and uh, and I think that he finally uh, well, he procured would, he the rights again. As, uh, Darkman, again, the one we went to, that, that the very underrated mm-hmm. uh, comic book. Uh, the the, the second, third, and fourth Darkman. Well, yeah, no, no. I, 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 yeah, that, that we can just regard those with the seriousness of a DVD bonus feature. But, but yeah, the first one yeah. very imaginative. Yeah, it How is. often Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand is awesome. Your, yeah, with an nail gun, sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, so I hope to see those those kind of properties get revitalized because I think there's a lot of life in them. But um, mm-hmm. that's where my heart is with the superheroes, the uh, uh, the heroes of yesteryear, the heroes of yesteryear. Yeah. Amen. But still dark and gritty. I, I think that's where th- properties like The Shadow. Yeah, they could have another life because people are people are very interested in seeing their superheroes a, a little bit on the psychotic. Side. Well, I, yeah, I think again something that going back to Watchmen too that that, that Watchmen helped introduce, which was this notion of taking these uh, beloved archetypes mm-hmm. and then expanding them with uh, a deal of psychological insight and yep. depth that was only hinted at in their uh, original stories, and, mm-hmm. and 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 it completely changes. The landscape there, yeah, it'd be very nice to see that with the shadow and not just this kind of very pretty. But uh, w- w- what did that film have of any relevance to audiences of 1993 other than right. we have a semi big star and, com- the- and, and computer animated uh, knife with teeth? <sighs> um, there are still some bright moments in that movie, but. Uh, we should wrap we up should. our discussion, uh, especially now bringing bring my boyhood memories into play. I could, uh, I'll probably start crying on this podcast, yeah. and we don't want that to happen. But yeah, and I think sticking true to it, we discussed Watchmen, and we got a lot of what we really wanted to say out of it, and we still managed to leave out a bunch that we still like course, to say. Of course, a lot left on the editing room floor. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Again, uh, I am uh, Justin Runge, and I am Zane Reed. And this was uh, Wet Hot American Podcast Watchmen Edition. <laughs> <laughs>